Welcome to CEO Uncover. Today we have on Laura Adams. Laura is a money expert and the nation's leading on-camera financial spokesperson. She's an award-winning author who hosts the weekly top-rated Money Girl podcast with over 40 million downloads, as well as named one of the Empower's top 50 women in personal finance in 2018. We're so excited to have her on and learn a bit about her background and story. So let's please welcome Laura. Thank you so much. Of course. I'm excited to get to know you. If we could start, let's start with your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I really never thought that I would work in finance or be a podcaster. Um, It's something that I kind of got into after going in the business world, being an entrepreneur for a little while, and then deciding to go back and get my MBA. I decided that I really wanted to expand my business knowledge and thought maybe I would do corporate finance. But when I got there, I realized that there were a lot of very successful people in the program. They were C-level executives. You know, they had multiple master's degrees, just very educated, smart people. But a lot of them were really struggling with their personal finances. And a light bulb kind of went off for me. And I realized that you can be very smart. And that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be good with money. So that was kind of the, the start of the personal finance journey that I've been on to help educate people people and really make complex topics much easier and more approachable. So I started podcasting right after that. And that was back in 2007. And there just there weren't that many podcasters at the time. So it was something that I was just really passionate about. And even though it seems like there weren't that many listeners or podcasts out there. I just had a passion to keep going and doing it. And eventually the the uh, uh, the network that I'm with now, the Quick and Dirty Tips Network, invited me. And I think I was the second podcaster in the network. And so since then, it's grown significantly. But that led to a lot of opportunities with writing books and eventually doing PR and just kind of expanding the number of people and, and also the types of topics that I've been able to talk about, personal finances, but also small business finances. Uh, My latest book, Money Smart Solopreneur, is for people who are starting a business. I've had a lot of people in the Money Girl community that said, well, Laura, this is great, but how do I create more income? You know, how do I really diversify my income streams? And so I wrote that book to help them kind of go through the process of A to Z with building a business, but also building their personal finances at the same time. Did you learn about personal finance or financial literacy as a kid? Was it taught in your household? You know, Ashley, it was in the sense that I think my parents were good role models. They never really sat me down and said, okay, this is how you create a budget or this is how we calculate this. They really weren't that direct. But I think indirectly, I saw that they were managing money well and they were business owners and we didn't have a ton of money, but they were, I would say, just really wise about saving for the things that they wanted to do, vacations, you know, and making sure there was always enough to have fun, you know, in addition to having everything else paid for. So I realized that they were being responsible with money. And I was just really curious about money as a kid. And I remember when I was like, I think 14, I begged my mother for a checking account 
I wanted a checkbook and, you know, the old school checkbooks where you would write the checks and, and keep your balance in that ledger. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And so I was just always wanting to manage my own money and, and be in charge of it. And so that's kind of, I think, where I just started with a natural interest about money. I was going to ask you at the beginning, because we, but we kind of went over it, what sparked your passion? But that seems to be it. I mean, I know as a kid, I always had a lemonade stand. I was always trying to figure out what, how many cents to get back. And I think that sparked my passion for finances and, and the importance at a young age. I learned what a dollar means and how important a dollar can be. Even though it's only one, it can lead you to so many opportunities, which is really why I started CEO. And you wrote several books, one being Money Girl, Smart Moves to Grow Rich. Is there a key takeaway that you want somebody to take away from that book specifically? Yeah, so um, that book, that was really my first big book. And the key takeaway in that book is that habits are very important. And so even if you don't have much to invest, what's really important is just getting into the habit of doing good things in your financial life. So even if you could only save 5 or $10 a month, Getting in the habit of doing that will allow you to increase that amount over time. So I think the lesson is just putting these little kind of automatic habits in your life and letting them work for you. But if you don't start, if you don't create even a small habit, you don't allow yourself to grow into bigger, more successful habits of saving more, maybe you know, getting an emergency fund that's healthy or maxing out a retirement account, all of these kind of bigger financial goals that we have. So that's a big takeaway from that book. And I think also helping people understand that it's okay if they don't know much about money, that we're not born knowing about money. And, you know, nobody's expected to kind of come out of the womb understanding everything about money. It's a process for everybody. And that education just happens happens a little bit at a time and not to feel overwhelmed or intimidated by it because everybody has to start somewhere. Exactly. Were you taught in your own school or classroom about balancing paychecks or any of those necessary tools? You know, I had very little um, financial education in high school. I really didn't have personal finance education until I got my master's degree. So that was something that I also realized we do not get that necessarily. A lot of states are getting better about requiring at least some amount of financial education. And I've also written some handbooks uh, on financial education that are in some economic textbooks that are out there. But unfortunately, it just isn't as widespread and predominant as it should yeah. be. There are still over 30 states that don't have a requirement to teach it. But there are, in this new wave, a lot of states that are trying to be that leader and forefront. Why now? Why, why after all these years now do you think is the time this is happening? Yeah, I do think that because we've been through so many financial crises and the, you know, recent, we've had 2007, 2008, that financial crisis, and then the pandemic, it seems like um, kids have been exposed to a lot of hardships and they're seeing that, you know, everything is not always going to be straight up for the stock market and we're going to have inflation and they're just all of these aspects of the, of the economy that have been challenging. And so maybe that's what it's 
taken. It's taken these hardships for schools and teachers to realize, okay, you know, now is the time we've really got to get serious about it. Otherwise, kids won't, they'll see the problems, but they won't see the solutions. So that's really what it's about is how do you prepare your financial life so that you are resilient, you know, financially resilient for whatever might happen in the economy. Mm -hmm. Speaking of preparing, as you know, this podcast is geared towards our high school students. Is there something they can do now to benefit them in the future? Yeah, I think if kids are working, if they do have some income, it would be fantastic to open up a Roth IRA. Number one, just to understand what it is, get exposure to that and understand that you can begin saving for your retirement as soon as your your first paycheck, even minors. So that would be a great exercise to do. Of course, having a bank account, you know, is the first thing. Um, having that account and understanding just the ins and the outs of, of the banking system is really great. But then once you start earning money, maybe you've got a part-time job or you get a summer job and you've got a little bit of money, well, you or even a parent can put that equivalent in a Roth IRA for you up to $6,500 or less, just however much you might want to put in it in that account uh, would be a really nice start. That can grow for decades. And then even if you don't put any more in it, hopefully you will, but if you, even if you don't put any more in it, you know, it could be several hundred thousand dollars if you never put another dime in it after many decades. So that money could be sitting there for you when you're ready to retire or maybe you want to make a big purchase one day. You could take out a portion of it for for a home or a car or something that you want to uh, finance or purchase down the road. For those who don't know and that are listening, can you just explain like a brief definition of what a Roth IRA is? Yeah, so it's really just an account. So think about like a bank account, but within that account, your money can grow in various investments that you choose. So it could be an index fund. It could be a stock fund. um, It could even be a CD. It could be really anything inside that account. And the account gives that money special tax advantages. So it allows it to grow but without you having to pay taxes on it. So ordinarily, if you earn money in a a brokerage account or a bank account, that growth is taxable. So that means you do owe uh, you know, income tax on it in the, the year that you have that growth. With a Roth IRA, though, it's like that tax situation is frozen. It doesn't happen And that's the beauty of the Roth IRA. You do pay taxes on the money that you put in, but you never pay taxes again. So that money can grow and grow and grow for decades and none of it gets taxed. So it's a very tax advantaged account. That's when we, when we say a tax advantaged account, it means that you're either saving money on taxes on the front end or in the back end when you take the money out. And it just means that you're going to have more money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Thank you for explaining that. So we have some of our students put in questions that want to be asked on the podcast. And one that I think that you could help us with is regarding crypto. And they asked, in your opinion, do you think investing in crypto is safe? And how do you see it being foreseeable in the next few years? Is it going to go up or down? Is it going to be a thing? You know, I'm a big fan of 
limiting alternative investments. I own crypto myself. I feel like it's something that I believe in the technology of cryptocurrency. So I want some exposure to it. Now, I will say I have very little of my overall portfolio in it, maybe one or 2%. So I'm limiting the exposure while making sure that I'm participating in that and whether it's, you know, and it may go up, Dramatically, it may not. We really don't know. And so that's a, that is a speculation, but I believe in the technology enough to speculate. And so I'm participating in that by having a small amount of my portfolio in crypto. And, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know if it will go up or down. I think if you do your homework and you really understand an investment, whether it's real estate, cryptocurrency or, you know, securities, uh, other types of uh, precious metals, whatever it is, if it's something that you do some homework on and you understand it, it is worth investing a small amount of your portfolio in it. And that way you can really get excited about it if it does go up, but you're not investing so much that you're going to be in danger if it does not go up. Thank you for explaining that. Being one of the 50 women in personal finance is is an amazing achievement. First, I wanted to ask you what that meant to you, having that recognition. Yeah, it's really an honor. And I take it very seriously because I want to make sure that it's a a real mission for me. So I want to make sure that every time I am doing a podcast, writing an article, writing a book, I'm always thinking about the person who is listening to the podcast or the person reading the book. Where are they? Because, you know, I know a lot about finance now, but I didn't always know a lot about finance. So I try to put myself in the position of somebody who is just starting this journey. You know, where, how would they read this if they were just starting out? So it's quite an honor, but it always means that I need to make sure that I don't forget that not everybody wants to know about finance. Not everybody's at the same level. And so making sure that we relate to people and make that information relatable is, is what's most important to me. And, and being a woman in this space, it, it's incredible to get that recognition and show that we all of us care about financial literacy, about finances. I wanted to ask you, how important is it to be a woman in a leadership position and to have that? Yeah, it, it's critical because for me, money is not something that I want just to look at my bank account balance. For me, finances and success with finances all comes down to empowerment. It comes down to choices. It comes down to what can I do with that money? How can I change my lifestyle or change careers or take an opportunity that maybe I I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't have that financial freedom? So I really do see it as giving options, giving you choices in life. And as women, I think it's really important that we take charge of our own independence, our own empowerment. We don't want to be financially dependent on other people because that limits our choices in life. That limits what we can do. It limits what we can achieve. So that financial independence, I really think it's important for everybody, but it's definitely important for women. Has there been a tool or skill, in your opinion, that has contributed to your success? A tool, yeah. I think that, and I love technology. I'm a a huge technology fan. 
I use every bit of technology that I can. And I will say that I've never been a somebody that budgets like on paper. I love to use technology to like analyze my finances. So tools like a QuickBooks or a Quicken where it's pulling in all your data. And so you can quickly run reports. You can look at at data just at a glance. Those types of tools I think are super, super helpful. They have helped me for sure, both in my business finances and personal finances, um, because I'm not somebody that would necessarily like you know, type everything into a spreadsheet. And so I don't like budgeting, basically, I guess is what I'm saying is so if I can, if technology can do it for me, that's going to help me look at my cash flow, understand where am I spending money? Where can I cut back? Where am I, um, you know, maybe a little short in some areas. So that to me, that automating anything that you can in your finances is going to cause more success. Same with investing. If you can automate those deposits into a retirement account, um, either through work or on your own, if you have an IRA, um, that automation has been key for me. Throughout your career, has there been a mentor or somebody you went to for guidance and advice? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think I've had a lot of mentors because I think I've read every finance book out there. And I really, even though I haven't met those authors personally, I feel like they're kind of my remote, you know, mentors, if you will. And so I think just exposing yourself to different authors, because everybody has a different perspective, they all have a different point of view. Um, That can really be a great way to learn. Not one person is right. You know, everybody has a different way of looking at finance. So I would say expose yourself to a lot of different people. There's not one guru out there who is necessarily going to have all the answers. Um, so reading different different books, listening to different podcasts like this one, you know, kind of exposing yourself to, to different experts, I think is a way to get a really diverse um, set of opinions and kind of get a different take on, on things um, because, it's called personal finance because it is personal. We're all different and we need to think about these solutions to problems and think about the answers to your questions from different perspectives. Yeah. I think that's why podcasting has really helped. I mean, you were in it in the long run. You, you've you been like a founding father. How has podcasts in general helped you and your business and who you are today? I listen to podcasts every single day, Ashley. I'm just a a junkie when it comes to podcasts. And I think it's because you can do so many things while you're listening. You know, you're walking, you're running errands. It's just... It, it can be with you as a friend, you know, as a companion throughout your day when you have a little, a little break and a little time to listen. Um, so I feel like it's just been an incredible education for me. And I, in fact, I listen to very few financial podcasts because I'm in that world so much. I love listening to science, marketing, you know, all kinds of different shows. So podcasts to me are just an incredible way to educate yourself The fact that they're free to me is amazing. Um, So I would encourage people just to kind of branch out, try different shows. You might be surprised. It might spark a new interest for you. As somebody in business, I always ask, what does a day-to-day look like for you? 
Yeah. So, you know, right now I do a lot of writing, um, both for my own books and podcasts, but also for clients. Um, I have clients I work with that um, are looking for a variety of content, whether it's for their website or video scripts. Uh, I film video and create content. Um, so it really varies depending on different campaigns that I'm working on and different clients that I work with. But at the heart of it, I'm writing about money. Yeah. I, lastly, I always ask this, if you could give a piece of advice to a teenager college version of yourself, what would you tell her today? Yeah, I think I would definitely be a little bit more aggressive about saving. I think you know, saving early in life is so powerful because you've got that compounding that that takes over and allows your money to grow. And I don't think I realized the power of compounding early enough. I think if I had really understood it, I probably would have been a little bit more aggressive about saving early. So those those charts that kind of show that huge growth that happens with small amounts of savings, um, I think I would have taken that to heart a little bit sooner. It's never too early to save. Never too early. Laura, thank you so much for joining us on CEO Uncovered. It was a blast learning about your life and your passion for personal finance. Again, all of our students are really going to appreciate this and I'm sure learn a lot of wisdom from yourself. Ashley, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure to be with you. 